This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Marvel Standom, and we are here exploring the multiverse. And we mean that for real this time, because we're here to talk about the first episode of Marvel's What If. With me, as always, I have Den Geek TV editors Alec Bajalad and Katie Burt, and Den Geek News and Features editor Kirsten Howard. Kirsten, why don't you tell us about What If Episode 1? In What If Episode 1, we get to find out what would have happened if Peggy Carter had taken the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers. That does not quite sum up how cool this episode is, but we will get there. Don't be embarrassed. Let's talk about Peggy Carter in general, though, before we get into the specifics of this episode, because this character who's been around since Phase 1, this beloved character in the MCU, had her own TV series, you know, and got you know, pretty much the happiest ending of anybody in the MCU at the end of the Infinity Saga. So how's everybody feel about Peggy? Like I say, she got the happiest ending that we're aware of. We don't know if that violated the sacred timeline and they were taken off and vaporized. Alec, why do you have to bring us down like that? Anyway, go ahead, Katie. <laughs> Tell me how much you love Peggy. I do love Peggy. It was. It's interesting that she gets the first episode or that she's a part of this at all because... In some ways, she feels like a character who's already had some what-ifs within the MCU. They're not technically what-ifs, but, you know, she obviously appears in the first Avenger. And that's, um, you know, she has a major role in that movie. But she also got a Marvel one-shot, like, short film that was part of the Iron Man 3 Blu-ray release. And that launched Agent Carter, which ran for two seasons. The MCU powers that be didn't want to say that any of those different iterations of Peggy Carter um, overwrote any other one, but I already felt like she was a bit of a what-if character, so it's cool to see her get a proper what-if story. I find Captain Carter as a character really fascinating. I mean, she doesn't she has a kind of unique origin story compared to other Marvel characters in that she was created as a kind of throwaway addition to a match three game called Marvel Puzzle Quest in 2016 and it was a couple of years later that she was introduced to the comics in uh, Exiles 3. The fan response at the time was absolutely massive. People loved seeing Peggy Carter as like a as Captain Carter so it's not really a surprise that it didn't take Marvel Studios a long time to jump on the Captain Carter bandwagon as it were. They took this character that was never really treated that great in the comics to begin with, made her way better for the movies. And then they took, as you put it, like a throwaway version of her from post-MCU comics and then made her even cooler for this episode. I love that. So for anybody who doesn't know, What If was originally a comic book series where they would take various events in Marvel Comics history 
and take an issue or two to explore possible different outcomes. So the show is just a natural extension of that, but for the MCU. But this has the added wrinkle of kind of coming out of that Loki finale, where now this is all potentially little explorations of the Marvel multiverse. So these aren't just imaginary stories, although aren't they all? These are like little branch timelines in the Marvel universe. So um, just for the first episode, if you have not seen Captain America, the first Avenger, and maybe the one shot featuring Peggy Carter that was on the Iron Man 3 Blu-ray, you might not fully understand the significance of all the events in this. So what the show does is it kind of gives the MCU their very own Rod Serling in the form of Uatu, the Watcher, voiced by Jeffrey Wright. Usually in the comics, uh, sometimes he would host the What If stories. Other times, if he shows up in like main Marvel Comics continuity, it means that something's about to go very, very wrong. Uh, he's usually there to uh, warn the readers that some universe-changing event is about to happen. But here, he's just kind of like your friendly host. He's like the MCU's Crypt Keeper. I feel like the Watcher and Jeffrey Wright's <clears throat> narration for him really adds a lot to this show. If you look at uh, IMDb or Wikipedia, he's literally he's the only cast member because each episode is different and brings in a whole new host of guest stars. Uh, the only consistent voice that we have throughout all of these soon-to-be nine episodes are The Watcher. Uh, and Jeffrey Wright is great to begin with. You know him from Westworld, from Casino Royale. He's fantastic, and like Mike said, he does really operate on a nice Rod Serling level. One thing I did like in particular about this episode is that the Watcher actually really helpfully identifies for us the moment where everything changes. Because the show, it starts, and we're basically in the first of Captain America, the first Avenger continuity. Uh, but the Watcher helpfully tells us that that's the moment that created a new universe. And the moment he's referring to is Peggy deciding not to go upstairs behind the, the blast door for safety. I think the Watcher adds a lot, and uh, I'm happy that uh, the smooth, the dulcet tones of Jeffrey Wright are going to be guiding us through the next eight episodes. I have a question for all of you that it may be premature to ask, but, you know, this series has been presented as an anthology series, and we're obviously going to get different little peeks into possible, into different parts of the multiverse. But do you think there's a chance that it might not be an anthology series, which is to say you know, we have this overarching character of the Watcher, and we know that different um, timelines are probably going to start colliding and interacting um, within the MCU. So do you think that's something that could happen, you know, at the end of the first season of What If? Or do you think this is definitely going to stay to this very, like, standalone anthology format? I think it's unlikely that these will cross over in a major way. Um, maybe we'll get a little bit of Easter eggs, like one of um, Peggy's stories will turn up in the background of another story. Uh, but I don't think this is all culminating in one big uh, Watcher universe. I think it would probably be in Marvel's best interests to create a couple of things that do not feel like they are building blocks for bigger things. Because that is always the criticism that people try and throw at the MCU is like everything is just a commercial for a bigger thing coming down the road. You know, even if you don't find that to be like a detraction from your enjoyment of the MCU, I certainly don't. And I don't even necessarily agree with the sentiment behind a statement like that. 
but it is kind of hard to argue against the substance of it. So I think it would be in Marvel's best interest to just like, just tell these stories as little bite-sized things that don't require anything, you know, anything beyond what you know about the MCU. Well, did you guys have a favorite moment from this episode? I had a lot of favorite moments because I think uh, the animation in this really works. It's just cool. Uh, when I mentioned that these feel like almost side, these feel like little side quests or sandboxes for Marvel fans to play in in their own self-contained kind of way. So it's just a lot of moments like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And my favorite is probably, as I say, Captain Carter wielding a sword and a shield. It's interesting that you bring up the uh, animation because it ha I have warmed to it over the episodes, but it's not probably my favorite style. I was talking to Mike about this another time. I think, you know, when you look at Netflix's like Love, Death and Robots and stuff like that, and you realize how wild they could have gone with it, bringing in different styles and different storytellers to create these, you know, they've got the money, they could have done it. But they didn't, they sort of stuck with this one sort of style throughout and oh, as far as we know. And um, it's not my favourite, but I have warmed to it a little bit. I just think it's a shame that they didn't push the envelope a bit here. I uh, was not particularly enamoured of the animation style, especially when we first saw the trailers. But in this episode, I thought it worked. And the reason I thought it worked um, was because... The way like they do, they work with like shadows and like the colors that they chose and stuff. Um, it kind of reminds me of the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons from the 1940s. And even though these were not rotoscoped, it kind of has that effect. You know what I mean? It kind of feels like these, you know, at times like like this was traced over actual figures. You know what I mean? And so even though it's a very modern style in this context, it felt really era appropriate. And I thought it was neat. And there were also like kind of moments where they used that kind of um, old school Disney animation, like comedic timing to, to really good effect, even though very little in this episode is actually funny. Like this is really hard hitting bone crunching, like body count piling action almost bell to bell on this episode but when it was when they wanted to play something for laughs like the way they would like the way they would time it it kind of felt like a like like you know like a classic disney animation studios piece in in those ways so it was it's weird like i didn't expect to enjoy it as much as i did in that regard but it worked pretty well for captain carter i do agree with what kirsty was saying though that it does seem like a missed opportunity to not, um, you know, change things up between stories in relation to the animation style. This project has always reminded me a little bit of the Animatrix, um, which was, you know, this collection of different, like, short animated films that expanded the Matrix world, but um, not in any really, like, plot meaningful ways i think it would have been cool to see what they could have done if they were not only ambitious with the you know the storylines and the questions they asked but also the animated animation style great points i agree i think i just came i think i was just beaten into submission by cell shading animation like years ago with um legend of zelda wind waker and i've also seen people make the point that the animation style works um 
a little bit better for the action sequences in this first episode as opposed to like other kinds of scenes. Well, and that brings me to probably my favorite thing about this, which is the way Captain Carter fights is so incredibly badass. And it's not just like badass in the context of this. Like in my head, this is how I always imagined Captain America moving. Like this is always how I imagined a super soldier fighting. And if you read Marvel comics, particularly from the 60s and 70s and 80s, Cap was always described as like not just like a great leader and tactician and fighter or whatever. He's like the best fighter. And he's also like, like, like an acrobat, like a gymnast, you know what I mean? So it's like, don't be deceived by the way that, you know, Captain America was always drawn as like kind of this traditional muscle bound superhero. Like he's supposed to like move like an Olympic gymnast, even when he's beating the crap out of people. And like the early, like when they brought Cap back in the 60s, the way Jack Kirby would draw Captain America fight scenes where he's taking on like eight, nine, 10, 11 people all at once are just these like crazy ballets of violence that could never, ever be done in live action properly. And this show does it. This show lets Peggy do all of that. And it is so, so cool. I love the phrase ballets of violence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this first episode really has a smashing your toys together and going <laughs> energy to it, which I like. And we get to see Nazis fall to their deaths as Peggy like rips them out of their airplane cockpits. Like, it's great. Like, I could watch that all day. Does this have the highest, like, mortality rate of any... Well, not on... I'd say on-screen mortality rate, because obviously Thanos is always going to win. But I don't I don't remember First Avenger killing this many soldiers on screen. Did it? I don't think so. Like, <laughs> like I think I think to go for, for an on-screen body count, even approaching the carnage that Captain Carter unleashes on the Third Reich in this episode... You have to like you have to like look at Netflix's Punisher. Talking of corpses piling up, you know what's really kind of interesting but sad to me is that if Peggy Carter became Captain Carter, uh, Bucky Barnes would never become the Winter Soldier. That's what this episode of television tells us. So um, I've got to be like, Steve, it was all your fault. You know what else this episode tells us? Um, what? Why couldn't? Why couldn't? Peggy Carter be the Hydra Stomper in the normal timeline. Oh. Sexism? We need answers. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> that was, that's what I was fishing for. Thank you. Although, you know, I, I, yes, you're right. But I'm going to give Howard Stark a little bit of a pass here. Because, because isn't, isn't the Hydra Stomper powered by... Um, Masculinity? Yes, it is powered by by raw testosterone, uh, and a woman just can't handle it. Like, <laughs> Real quick, what Mike I think was going to say is that they had the test. Uh, Howard Stark has access to the Tesseract. In this. Yes, <laughs> testosterone, Tesseract. You know. All right, folks, this is where you come in. We want to hear from you. What do you think of Captain Carter? What else do you want to see on What If? What elements of the MCU do you think could have taken a different direction that you'd like to see explored on screen? 
Let us know. We are at Marvel Standom at Twitter. You could also reach us at Den of Geek US on Twitter. Drop us a line at MarvelStandom at denofgeek.com. We'll see what we can do about getting some of your questions in a future episode. And speaking of future episodes, for next week's, if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy and you haven't seen Black Panther, and frankly, if you haven't, why are you even watching this show? Uh, you might want to give those a rewatch before you check out What If Episode 2. But we'll be back talking about that and everything else the MCU has to offer right here on Marvel Standom. Thanks for watching. 